Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. Saga, Chapter 1 of the Earls It is said that the Orkney Islands were colonised in the days of Harold the Fair-Haired, but previously they had been a station for the Vikings. The first Earl of the Orkneys was called Sigurd. He was the son of Einstein Glumra, the loud-talking, and brother of Rogenwald, Earl of Moeri. After Sigurd, his son Guthorm ruled one year. Torf Einar, son of Earl Rogenwald, succeeded him. He was a man of great power, and was Earl a long time. Halfdan Halleck made an expedition against Torf Einar and drove him from the Orkneys. Einar returned and slew Halfdan in Renancy. Thereupon King Harald brought over an army to the Orkneys. Then Einar fled to Scotland. King Harald made the Orkney men swear oaths of fealty to him for themselves and all their possessions. The Earl and King Harold were afterwards reconciled. He became the King's man, and held the land as fief for him. He had, however, no tribute to pay, as there was much predatory warfare then in the islands, but he paid the King sixty marks of gold. After this, King Harold made a raid on Scotland, as it is told in Glundrapa. After Torf Einar, Arkel, Erland, and Thorfinn, his sons, succeeded him. In their days, Eric Bloodaxe came over from Norway, and the earls were his vassals. Arnkel and Erland fell in battle, but Thorfinn governed the land and became an old man. His sons were Arnfid, Harvid, Lodfer, Lot, and Skuli. Their mother was Grelog, daughter of Earl Dungad in Caithness. Her mother was Groa daughter of Thorstein the Red. In the days of Earl Thorfinn, the sons of Eric Bloodax arrived from Norway, when they had fled from Earl Hakon, and they did many deeds of violence in the islands. Earl Thorfinn died on a sickbed, and his sons, of whom there are extensive histories, succeeded him. Ludver survived his brothers and ruled the land alone. His son was Earl Sigurd the Stout. He was a powerful man and a great warrior. In his days, Olaf, Tryggvi's son, returning from a Viking expedition to the west, came to the Orkneys with his men and seized Earl Sigurd in Brovik, as he lay with a single ship. King Olaf offered the Earl to ransom his life, on condition that he should embrace the true faith and be baptised, that he should become his man and proclaim Christianity all over the Orkneys. He took his son Hundi as a hostage and left the Orkneys for Norway where he became king, and Hundi stayed with him some years, and died there. After that, Earl Sigurd paid no allegiance to King Olaf. He married the daughter of Malcolm, king of Scots, and their son was Earl Thorfinn, 
His elder sons were Sumerlidi, Brusi, and Einar. Five years after the death of King Olaf Tryggvi's son, Earl Sigurd went to Ireland. He set his elder sons over the domains and sent Thorfinn to the King of Scots, his mother's father. While on this expedition, Sigurd was killed in Brian's battle, and as soon as the news came to the Orkneys, his sons, Sumerlidi, Brusi, and Einar, were accepted as earls, and they divided the islands among them, each taking one third. Thorfinn was five winters old when their father fell. When the King of Scots heard of the Earl's death, he bestowed Caithness and Sutherland upon his grandson, with the title of Earl, and gave him men to rule the domain along with him. Earl Thorfinn was very precocious in the maturity of all his powers. He was of large stature and strong, but ungainly. As he grew up, it soon became apparent that he was avaricious, harsh and cruel, yet a very clever man. The brothers Einar and Brucey were different in their dispositions. Brucey was clever and fond of company, eloquent and beloved. Einar was stubborn and taciturn, disagreeable and avaricious, yet a great warrior. Summer Liddy was like Brucey in his disposition. He was the eldest and the most short-lived of the brothers. He died on a sickbed. After his death, Thorfinn demanded his share of Summerlady's portion of the Orkneys, although he already had Caithness and Sutherland, which had belonged to his father Sigurd. This Einar considered to be much more than one-third of the Orkneys, and he would not give up any part of them to Thorfinn. Brucey, however, consented to give up his share of the portion belonging to Summerlady, saying that he did not covet more of the land than his own proper third. Then Einar took possession of two shares of the islands. He became a powerful man and had a large number of retainers. In the summer he made war expeditions, calling out great levies of his men from their homes. But these expeditions were not always successful, and the Bondi began to grow tired of them. But the Earl exacted all his services with violence, and did not suffer anyone to speak against them. He was indeed a man of the greatest violence. Then there arose great scarcity in the islands, on account of the labour and large expense to which the Bondi were thus subjected. However, in the parts belonging to Brucey, there were good seasons and easy life, and he was greatly liked by the Bondi. Chapter 2 Of Amundi and Thorkel There was a powerful and wealthy man by the name Amundi who lived in Hrossi at Sandvik on Lafandness. He had a son by the name Thorkel, who was the most accomplished man in all the Orkneys. One spring, the Earl called out the Bondi as usual, but they murmured greatly and brought their grievances before Amundi and asked him to say a good word for them to the Earl. He replied that the Earl was not disposed to listen to advice, and it would be of no avail to ask him to do this. As he and the Earl were such good friends, he further said that from what he knew of his own temper, and that of the Earl, there was a great danger that they might become enemies, and he would have nothing to do with the matter. Then they asked Thorkel, and he was very reluctant, although at last he yielded to their solicitations, but on Monday thought he had been too rash to promise. When the Earl held a thing, Thorkel spoke on behalf of the Bondi. He begged the Earl to spare the people, and told him of their distress. The Earl answered blandly, 
and said he would give great weight to Thorkel's words. I had intended, he said, to take out six ships, but now I shall take out no more than three. But thou, Thorkel, do not ask of me this second time. The Bondi were very grateful to Thorkel for his assistance, and the Earl made an expedition during the summer, and again in the autumn. The next spring the Earl again called out his men, and held a meeting with the Bondi. Thorkel spoke again on their behalf and begged the Earl to spare them. The Earl became wroth, and said that for his speech the lot of the Bondi should be far worse than before. Then he became so mad with rage that he said one or other of them should not leave the meeting unhurt, and immediately dissolved the meeting. When Amundi heard what Thorkel and the Earl had said to each other, he bade his son go abroad, and Thorkel went to Erthorfin in Caithness. He stayed there a long time, and became the foster father to the Earl, who was still young. From that time, he was called Thorkel Fostry, and became a man of great repute. Other men of note and influence fled from the Orkneys on account of Earl Einar's violence, some to Earl Thorfinn, some to Norway, and some to other countries. When Earl Thorfinn came to man's estate, he sent to his brother Einar and demanded from him what he considered his share of the Orkneys. Einar was not inclined to divide his possessions, so... When Earl Thorfinn heard this, he called out men from Caithness and set out for the Orkneys. When Earl Einar had news of this, he collected an army with the intent to defend his possessions. Earl Brucey also collected an army and went to meet them and tried to reconcile them. And peace was made on condition that Thorfinn should have one third of the Orkneys as his own proper share. Then Brucey and Einar joined their portions, on the footing that the latter should rule them and defend them both and that he who survived the other should inherit his portion. But this compact was thought unfair, as Brucey had a son by the name Rogenwald, and Einar had no son. Thorfinn appointed his own deputies to manage his possessions in the islands, but he himself lived for the most part in Caithness. In the summer, Einar went on expeditions to Ireland, Scotland and Bretland. One summer, when ravaging Ireland, he fought in Ulfriksfjord with Confog, an Irish king and was defeated with heavy loss of men. The next summer, Ivan Durerhorn came from Ireland on his way to Norway, and being overtaken by a violent gale, he turned his ships into Asmundarvik, and lay there for a while. When Earl Einar heard this, he went thither with many men, seized Ivan and caused him to be killed, but gave no quarter to most of his followers. They went to Norway in the autumn, and when they met King Olaf, they told him of Ivan's murder. He said little about it, but it was afterwards found that he considered this a great loss and a serious offence against himself, though he never said much about things with which he was displeased. Thorfinn sent Thorkel Fostry to collect his revenues, but Einar regarded it as chiefly owing to Thorkel that Thorfinn had come into his possession the islands. Thorkel left the islands suddenly and went to Caithness. He told Thorfinn that he had become aware that Einar intended to kill him, though his relatives and friends had not given him warning. And now, he added, I will avoid the risk of having such a meeting with the Earl. It shall bring matters to a crisis between us, and I will go farther away, for his power does not reach me. Thorfinn persuaded him to go to King Olaf in Norway, and spend the winter with him in great friendship. For you will, he said. Be highly esteemed wherever you come among noble men. But I know your temper and that of the Earl, 
to be such that you will not long refrain from such hostilities. Thorkel then prepared for his departure, and in the autumn he went to Norway to visit King Olaf, and spent the winter with him in great friendship. The king often sought Thorkel's advice, because he considered him a wise man and a weighty counsellor, and such was the truth. In telling of the earls, the king found that he was very partial, a great friend of Thorfinn, and an enemy of Earl Einar. Early in the spring, the king sent a ship with a message to Thorfinn, asking him to come and see him. And the earl did not put off the journey, for protestations of friendship had accompanied the message. Chapter 3 Thorkel slays Earl Einar. Thorfinn went east to King Olaf in Norway, where he was well received, and spent the summer there. And when he prepared to go westward again, King Olaf gave him a large and excellent warship, fully equipped. Thorkel Fostry went with the earl, who gave him the ship in which he had come from the west in the summer. The king and the earl parted as great friends. In the autumn, Earl Thorfinn came to the Orkneys. When Earl Einar heard of it, he stayed with many men in his ships. Brucey went to meet the two brothers and tried to reconcile them, and once more they made peace and confirmed it with oaths. Thorkel Fostry should be pardoned, and be a friend of Earl Einar, and each of them should give the other a banquet, and the earl should first come to Thorkel at Sandvik. When Einar came, he and his men were most sumptuously treated, yet the earl was not cheerful. The banqueting hall was a large one, with doors at each end. When the earl was going away, Thorkel was to accompany him, and he sent men to examine by the way of which they were to go. When they returned, they said they had discovered three divisions of armed men in ambush, and were certain that foul play was intended. Upon hearing this, Thorkel delayed starting, and called his men together. The earl asked him to make himself ready, and said it was now time to go. Thorkel replied he had many things to see to, and kept going out and in. There were fires on the floor, and Thorkel walked about, and once when he entered by one of the doors he was followed by an Icelander, by the name Halvard from the east of Iceland, who shut the door after him. As Thorkel passed between the fire and where the earl sat, the latter said, Are you ready now? Thorkel replied, I am ready now, and struck the earl a blow on the head, so that he fell forward on the floor. Halvard said, I never saw people with so little presence of mind as you who are here. Why do you not take the earl out of the fire? With his axe he again struck the earl on the back of the head, and pulled him towards the bench. Then Thorkel and his men walked out quickly by the door opposite to that which they had entered, and there, outside the door, were the rest of his men fully armed. The earl's men took hold of their master and found that he was dead. They were too much stupefied to take revenge, as the thing was done so suddenly, and no one expected such a deed from Thorkel. Besides, the earl's men were mostly without arms, and many of them were good friends of Thorkel's before. Thus Thorkel had to thank his good fortune that he enjoyed a longer life. The earl's men went away, and Thorkel to his ship. In a few days shortly after the beginning of winter, he left for the east and arrived safely in Norway. He went immediately to see King Olaf, who received him very graciously, and felt much pleasure at his deed, and with him Thorkel spent the winter. Chapter 4 Of Earl Brusi After the death of Earl Einar, Earl Brusi took possession of that portion of the domain 
which had belonged to his brother Einar, for there had been many witnesses to the compact which had been made. Thorfinn thought it right that they should each have one half of the islands, yet Brucey had two-thirds that year. Next year Thorfinn demanded one half, to which Brucey did not consent, and they had many meetings about it. Their friends tried to settle matters between them, but Thorfinn would not take anything less than one half of the islands. Brucey said, I was satisfied with that third part which I inherited from my father, and no one claimed it from me, and I have inherited a second third after my brother according to the lawful agreement. And although I am unable to contend with you, brother, I will have recourse to other means in giving up my lands and title at present. Thus the meeting ended, but Brucey saw that he had no strength to hold his own against Thorfinn, because he had much larger possessions, and besides, some hope from assistance from his grandfather, the King of Scots. He therefore resolved to go to Olaf, King of Norway, taking with him his son Roggenwald, who was then ten years old. The king received them well, and he told him his business and explained to him how matters stood between him and his brother, and begged assistance to keep his possessions, offering in return his full friendship. The king replied by stating that Harald the Fairhaired had reserved to himself all Odal rights in the Orkneys, and that the earls since that time always held those lands as fiefs, and never as their own. It is a proof of this, he said, that when Eric Bloodax and his sons were in the Orkneys, the earls were their vassals, and when Olaf took his son, my kinsman, came there, your father, Earl Sigurd, became his man. Now I have succeeded to the entire heritage of Olaf Tryggvason. I will give you the islands as a fief, on condition that you become my man, and then I will try whether my help will be of naught more avail to you than the aid and assistance of the King of Scots to your brother Thorfinn. But if you will not accept these terms, I will try to recover the possessions and dominion which my kinsmen have inherited and possessed there in the West. The Earl considered those words carefully and sought the advice of his friends as to whether he should consent to King Olaf's terms and become his man. I do not see, he said, how matters will go with me at our parting if I refuse, because the king has made an unequivocal claim and regards the islands as his property. Now considering his great power and the circumstance that we are here, he will have no scruples in making my case such as he likes. Thus, Although the Earl had objections to both alternatives, he resolved to give up all, himself and his dominions, into the king's power. Then King Olaf asserted his suzerainty over all his hereditary possessions, and the Earl became his man, and confirmed this compact with oaths. Thorfinn heard that his brother Brucey had gone east to King Olaf to solicit his assistance. But as he had himself seen the king before, and secured his friendship, he thought that his case had been well prepared there, and he knew that many would advocate his cause. Nevertheless, he resolved to prepare to go to Norway as quickly as possible, intending that he should arrive there very nearly at the same time with his brother, so that he might see the king himself before his brother had concluded his business. This, however, turned out otherwise than the earl intended, for he did not see King Olaf until the treaty between Brucey and the king was fully concluded and he did not know that Brucey had given up his dominions until he came to the king. At their first interview, the king made the same claim to the dominion of the Orkneys which he had made before to Brucey, and he made the same request of Thorfinn, namely that he should acknowledge the king's suzerainty 
over his portion of the islands. The Earl gave a courteous answer to this demand, saying, I consider your friendship of great importance, and if you think you require my assistance against other chiefs, you have well deserved it. But I cannot well pay you homage, as I am already an Earl of the King of Scots and his vassal. But when the King found from these words that the Earl wished to void the claims which he had put forward, he said, If you will not become my man, there is another alternative that I place that man over the islands whom I choose. But I wish you to promise me oaths not to claim these lands and to leave him in peace in my place over them. Now if you will not accept any of those conditions, he who governs the land will say that hostilities may be expected from you. And in that case, you must not think it strange if a dale meets a hill. The Earl answered by requesting time to consider these matters. The King gave him time and permission to consult with his friends. But then the Earl asked the King for a further delay to the next summer, so that he might go home. For, said he, my counsellors are at home, and my judgment is not yet mature on account of my age. The King told him to make his choice. Thorkel Fostry was with the King at the time, and he sent a message to the Earl secretly, telling him that whatever else his intentions were, he should not think of parting with the king without being reconciled to him for the present, as he had got him his power. Now the earl thought that there was no alternative but to let the king have his will, although he did not consider it by any means a desirable thing to relinquish all hope of his patrimony, and to promise with oaths to leave those in undisturbed possession of his dominions, who had no hereditary right to them. But because he was not certain about his departure, he chose to submit to the king to become his man, and Brucey, his brother, had previously done. The king perceived that Thorfinn was a man of much stronger will than Brucey, and distrusted him therefore more. He saw that Thorfinn would think himself sufficiently powerful with the aid of the king of Scots, though he broke his treaty, and the king was sagacious enough to perceive that, while Brucey agreed to everything sincerely, and made only such promises as he intended to keep. Thorfinn agreed cheerfully to everything, while at the same time he had resolved within himself what course he would take, and though he made no objections to anything which the king proposed, yet the king suspected that he intended to act upon their agreements afterwards in his own way. Chapter 5 Of the Earls Brucey and Thorfinn When King Olaf had considered all these matters, he had a general meeting summoned by the blowing of a trumpet, to which the earls were also called. The king said, I will now make publicly known the treaty between me and the earls of the Orkneys. They have acknowledged my suzerainty over all the Orkneys in Hjatland, promising to become my men, and confirming these their promises and oaths. In return, I will give to Brucey one third of the land, and to Thorfinn another third, which they had before. But the last third which belonged to Earl Einar, I adjudged to be forfeited to me, because he slew Eivind Jurerhorn, my henchman, and beloved comrade. This portion I will dispose as I think fit, and I shall make it a condition with you, my earls, that you become reconciled to Thorkel Amundi's son, concerning your brother Einar's slaying, and I wish to act as an arbitrator between you, if you agree to this. The earls consented to this, as to everything else which the king proposed. Then Thorkel stepped forward and submitted his case to the king's decision, after which the meeting was dissolved, 
King Olaf awarded were guilds for Einar, as for three lendermen. One third, however, should be remitted in consideration of the Earl's guilt. Earl Thorfinn asked permission to depart, and when he had obtained it, he made himself ready in great haste. One day, when all was ready, and the Earl was drinking on board his ship, Thorkel, Amundi's son, came and laid his head on the Earl's knees, and asked him to do with it what he liked. The Earl said, Why do you do this? We are reconciled according to the King's arbitration. Rise. He rose and said, I will abide by the king's arbitration concerning differences between me and Brucey, but as far as you are concerned, I leave everything to you. Although the king has reserved for me possessions and safety in the Orkneys, I am so well acquainted with your disposition that I know it would be impossible for me to go there unless I have your confidence. And I will promise you to never go to the Orkneys, whatever the king says. The earl replied slowly and said, Would you rather have me adjust our affairs than abide by the king's decision? If so, I make it the first condition that you shall go with me to the Orkneys and remain with me, and not leave except with my permission, that you shall be duty-bound to defend my land and do everything I wish to have done while we both are alive. Thorko replied, I leave this to you, like everything else that concerns me. Thereupon he submitted his case to the Earl's decision. The Earl said he would fix the money payment for his brother's death afterwards and received oaths from Thorkel according to their agreement, and Thorkel prepared to go with him. The Earl left as soon as he was ready, and he and King Olaf never met afterwards. Earl Brucey remained behind and prepared for his departure more leisurely. Before he left, King Olaf had an interview with him and said, I think it advisable to make you my confidential agent in the western parts. I intend to give you two-thirds of the islands, which you had before, because I do not wish you to have less power now that you are my man. As a pledge of my good faith, I will keep your son Rogvald with me. I see that with two-thirds of the land and my assistance, you may well hold your own against Thorfinn. Brucey was thankful for two-thirds of the land. He stayed a little while yet before he left, and came to the west islands in the autumn. His son Roggenwald remained with King Olaf. These facts are mentioned by Ottar Sparti. Readily these noble people will obey thee as thy subjects. Use your power with moderation, Yadlanders. Your fame is well known. Till we had thee fearsome battle to these eastern shores, there was not any prince on earth who conquered these far distant western islands. When the brothers Thorfinn and Brucey came to the islands, Brucey took possession of two-thirds of the domain and Thorfinn of one. But he was all the time in Caithness in Scotland and placed deputies over the islands. Brucey alone had to defend them, for they were in those times very much exposed to the ravages of the Norwegians and Danes, who called on their Viking expeditions to the west and plundered in the outlying parts. Brucey made complaints to his brother Thorfinn on account of his not contributing anything to the defence of Orkneys or Hjatland, although he received his full share of all the land use and revenues. Then, Thorfinn proposed to Brucey to take two-thirds of the islands, undertaking the defence of the whole, and leave Brucey one-third. Although this division did not take place immediately, yet it is said in the history of the earls that it did take place, and that Thorfinn had two-thirds of the islands and Brucey one-third. When Canute the Great conquered Norway, 
after the flight of King Olaf. King Olaf Harald's son received no homage from Earl Thorfinn after he made the treaty with him and Brucey. Earl Thorfinn now became a powerful chief. He was a man of very large stature, uncomely, sharp-featured, dark-haired and sallow with swarthy in his complexion. Yet he was a most martial-looking man, and of great energy, greedy of wealth and of renown, bold and successful in war, and a great strategist. He was five years old when he received the title of Earl and the revenues of Caithness from King Malcolm, his grandfather, and fourteen when he went forth from his own territory in maritime expeditions and attacked the possessions of other chiefs. So says Arnor Jarlaskald. Now the prince and storm of helmets was the sword's edge deeply crimsoned, scarcely fifteen. The great-hearted sought renown in the fields of battle, ready to defend his own land or to ravage in another's. Under the heaven a braver leader never was found than Einar's brother. Earl Thorfinn was greatly supported by the King of Scots, his assistance being so near that much increased his power in the Orkneys. The King of Scots died after the reconciliation of the brothers. Carl Hundison took the kingdom in Scotland. He considered Caithness to belong to him, as to the former kings, and demanded tribute from it as from other places. Thorfinn, however, did not think his inheritance from his mother's father's large, though he had Caithness, and besides, according to his own opinion, it had been given to him first. He was therefore unwilling to pay tribute. Thus they became open enemies and made war on each other. King Carl wished to appoint a chief by the name of Modin over Caithness. He was his sister's son, and he gave him the title of Earl. Then Modin went down from Scotland and collected forces in Sutherland. When Earl Thorfinn heard of this, he gathered together an army in Caithness. Thorkel Fostry also came to Earl Thorfinn from the Orkneys with many men, and their united forces were somewhat more numerous than those of the Scots. When the Scots knew this, they hesitated in their invasion and returned to Scotland. Thorfinn subdued Sutherland and Ross, and plundered far and wide in Scotland, and returned again to Caithness, and Thorkel went back to the islands. Their men also returned home. Thorfinn stayed at Dungles Bay in Caithness, where he had five warships, and followers numerous enough to man them. Modin came to find King Carl at Berevik and informed him of his unsuccessful expedition. The king became very angry at his land being plundered and started immediately with eleven warships and a numerous army. He sailed northward along Scotland after having dispatched Modin to Caithness a second time with many troops. Modin went by land and it was intended that he should make the attack from that side so that Thorfinn might be placed between the two armies. Now it is to be told of King Carl but he did not stop until he arrived at Caithness, and he and Thorfinn were not far from each other. Thorfinn went aboard his ships and sailed out on the Pentland Firth, intending to go to the Orkneys. And so near were they that King Carl saw their sails as they sailed into the Firth from the east, and immediately sailed after them. Thorfinn directed his course to the east of the Orkneys, intending to go to Sandvik. He moored his ships on the east side of Durness, and immediately sent word to Thorkel to collect his troops. Earl Thorfinn arrived at Durness late in the evening, but as soon as it was daylight the next morning, King Carl came upon them unawares with eleven warships. There were only two alternatives, 
One to run on shore and leave the ships with all their valuable contents to the enemy. The other was to meet the king and let fate decide between them. Earl Thorfinn exhorted his men and ordered them to have their arms ready. He said he would not flee and told them to row briskly towards the enemy. Then both parties fastened their ships together. Thorfinn addressed his men, advising them to be smart and to make the first attack fiercely, saying that a few of the Scotsmen would be able to make a stand. The fighting was long and fierce. Arnor Jarlaskarld says, Once, off Durness to the eastward, came King Cali in Mailcoat, famous for its strength and brightness. But the land was not defenceless. For, with five ships, nothing daunted, scorning flight and warlike temper, valiantly the prince went forward against the king's eleven vessels. Then the ships were lashed together. Know ye how the men were falling? All their swords and boards were swimming, and the lifeblood of the Scotsmen. Hearts were sinking, bowstrings screaming, darts were flying, spear shafts bending, swords were biting, blood flowed freely, and the prince's heart was merry. Now Earl Thorfinn incited his men to the utmost, and a fierce conflict ensued. The Scots and the king's ships made but a feeble resistance before the mast, whereupon Thorfinn jumped from the quarter deck and ran to the foredeck and fought fiercely. When he saw the crowd in the king's ships getting thinner, he urged his men to board them. King Carl, perceiving this, gave orders to his men to cut the ropes and get the ships away instantly, to take their oars and bear away. At the same time, Thorfinn and his men fastened grappling hooks to the king's ship. He called for his banner to be borne before him, and a great number of his men followed it. King Carl jumped from his ship into another vessel, with those of his men who still held out. But the most part had fallen already. He then ordered them to take their oars and the Scots took flight, Thorfinn pursuing them. Thus says Arnor, Never was a battle shorter, soon with spears it was decided. Though my lord had fewer numbers, yet he chased them all before him. Hoarsely croaked the battle gull when thickly fell the wounded king's men. South of Sandwick swords were reddened. King Carl fled all the way south to Brideport, where he went on shore and collected an army anew. Thorfinn went back after the battle when Thorkel Fostry came to him with a numerous army. Then they sailed south to Brideport in pursuit of King Carl, and when they came to Scotland they began to plunder. Then they were told that Earl Modin was at Thurso in Caithness with a large army. He had sent to Ireland for men because he had there many relatives and friends, and he was waiting for these troops. Then it was thought advisable that Thorkel should go to Caithness with a portion of the army, but Thorfinn remained in Scotland and plundered there. Thorkel went secretly because all the inhabitants of Caithness were true and faithful to him, and no news went of his journey till he came to Thurso by night and surprised Earl Modin in a house, which they set on fire. Modin was asleep in an upper story and jumped out. As he jumped down from the stair, Thorkel hewed him with a sword and hit him in the neck and took off his head. After this, his men surrendered, but some escaped by flight. Many were slain, but some received quarter. Thorkel did not stay there long, but went to Britafort, bringing with him all the men he had been able to collect in Caithness, Sutherland and Ross. He met Earl Thorfinn in Moray and told him what he had done in his expedition. 
for which he received hearty thanks from the Earl. And there they both stayed for a while.